0: Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is episode 42, World Religions, Islam. So just a little bit of background about what I know about uh, the religion of Islam. Um, I've read the Quran. I I got a Quran. I actually went to mosque and listened to two different Imams. Um, I have studied the Quran and the Hadiths. I do know a lot about the religion and history itself in regards to this. And a lot of what I learned was actually from a Muslim friend in the military. I learned a lot from him. We spent many nights debating religions and sharing our backgrounds and beliefs from our respective religious texts. And when he uh, had a daughter who reached the age of nine, the same age that Muhammad actually raped his wife when she was nine years old, Aisha, That was uh, what did it for him, and he realized that the one prophet of Islam was evil, and he had to denounce Islam. Because he did that, he had to change his name and move his family to another state because his father and his brothers vowed to kill him and his wife and child. So I do know a little bit about this religion, and I want to uh, reveal two key things that will help you to know what you need to know about Islam. Uh, But before I do that, I want to talk about the problem of dealing with things from our cultural perspective. All right. So look at American culture. Number one, we have freedom of religion. Okay. I'm going to assume that you're in America. You're familiar with our laws against discrimination uh, of religions and the rights that we have of free speech. We value freedom of religion because our founding fathers and those before them, the pilgrims, came to America to escape religious persecution. That being said, Muslims are different. In America, we have a variety of religions, and people are already familiar with the Christian Bible, the concept of Jesus, Christmas, all those things, because we were founded as a Christian nation. In fact, the Bible and its precepts are still inscribed in stone on almost every state capitol building and almost every monument in Washington, D.C. Scenes from the Bible, even the Ten Commandments are inscribed in the building of our Supreme Court. So in America, we, have, uh, we view religion differently than most cultures do. We have dozens of denominations of Christianity and offshoots of each one of those, such as Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Church of the Latter-day Saints, Jehovah's Witnesses, Lutherans, Protestants, Southern Baptists, and on and on and on. We've come so familiar with the majority religion of Christianity in this country and the understanding that so many people worship so many different ways. They have different translations of the Bible, different ways of interpreting things. And the Christian Bible is made up of 66 books and some of them aren't used and some are. And, and you can believe parts of it, not others. And we tend to uh, approach all religions the same coming from that background where we think that other people in other religions, theirs must be open to different interpretations as well. And so therefore, if we meet someone or we hear of someone, say maybe a terrorist who says, Allah Akbar, then we think, okay, that's bad. So he must be interpreting his religion the wrong way. So we feel that that person must not be representative of their religion. And it's probably not the same as everyone else believes. But that is because of our cultural perspective. That is extremely arrogant for we as Americans in the Western world to view other religions in light of our culture and not theirs. I want to kind of change that and show you their perspective from the Muslim culture. Okay. American or Westernized religions, we all have the same problem over here because of our freedoms. You, you basically have two different types of religious people and the same applies to Muslims. First in America today, there are Muslims who are Muslims in name or tradition only because their families are. If you're born in a Muslim family, you have to be a Muslim because if you denounce that, if you change religions, if you dare to think differently, they have the right to kill you. It's called honor killings. There are beheadings all across America that happen by Muslims and we hide it and we just report it in the news media. But if you dig into it, when a Muslim has done something, a lot of times it's an honor killing or a beheading. They don't have the right to leave. So a lot of people in America, if they grow up here, they're Muslim in name or tradition only. Like many Christians in our country, they say they believe and follow their religion, but it's merely a window dressing on their life and they don't study it or try to live their life according to all the precepts of that religion. In fact, if confronted with verses from their holy book, these religious people, both Christians and Muslims, would be hard pressed to even realize it was from their book let alone know what their religion teaches about it. So I call these Muslims westernized. Unfortunately, that term really applies to lots of religions in America, and we have a lot of unprincipled people walking around pretending to follow a religion that they really don't understand. Now, the other type of Muslim is an actual true worshiper of Allah and follower of Muhammad. I've met both, both kinds, at least from my perspective. I believe there's two different kinds. And the average American can't tell the difference. Both Muslims treat people with respect, generally speaking. Both speak English. They're many times our next door neighbors, our co-workers. They fit right into American society. Um, A lot of times they, they look the same. They don't even adhere to the same, you know, Muslim practices as far as what clothes to wear and how to wear their beards and things like that. So this is typical of almost any religion in America today because we have the freedoms of religion and the freedom of speech. With that understanding, let's dive into Islam and the Quran and kind of learn the basics about it, okay? When it comes to Islam, the Quran itself tells you how to interpret it, unlike the Bible. So the Bible has 66 books, each written by different people. There's 40 different authors in the Christian Bible. The Quran only has one author. It's broken up into 114 surahs or chapters, if you want to equate that to the Christian Bible. Now, the surahs were revealed or written, over a period of 23 years of Muhammad's life and are generally in order of length not chronology that means if you read it from front cover to back cover it's not in order of when he wrote it okay and i wanted to quote something from dr Muhammad shafi or Shafi, which is from duralislam.org and he says it is often stated that the surahs are arranged in reverse chronological order of the revelation if this were true then Surah 9 should actually be Surah 1 or 2, and all the beginning Surahs would be from the Madani period, and all the end would be Mackin. But this is not the case. Seven of the first 20 Surahs are from the Mackin period, and three of the last 20 Surahs, uh, Surah 98, 99, and 110, are from the Madani period. In contrast with that speculation the muslims believe that the arrangement of the quran was determined by the prophet himself under guidance from god all that to say you can actually google which surahs were written in which order and, and it's available for you to see on the internet okay it's not a secret so the first thing you need to look at when it comes to understanding the quran is this thing called abrogation it means to annul or cancel something with appropriate or legal authority A couple of key verses in the Quran explain abrogation. Surah 2 verse 106 says, And for whatever verse we abrogate and cast into oblivion, we bring a better or the like of it. Knowest thou not that Allah is powerful over everything? This was Muhammad saying, When I abrogate a verse, I am giving you something better. And that verse that that I previously told you was the word of Allah is no longer necessary or for lack of a better term, I didn't know what I was talking about and I lied to you in the first verse. Now I've changed my mind and here's some new stuff. That's basically what he's saying right there. That previous things that were written are cast into oblivion. Because, well, you know, Allah is powerful over everything, so Allah can change his mind, right? Or Allah can reveal something more to you so that, you know, for you, it appears like he changed his mind, but really he didn't change his mind. You just don't know what you're talking about again, that is explained in Surah 16, verse 101. He says, and when we exchange a verse in place of another, and Allah knows very well what he is sending down, they say, thou art a mere forger. Nay, but the most of them have no knowledge. So what he's saying is, if you don't understand why Allah is getting rid of one verse and replacing it with a different teaching, then it's just because you're ignorant. So, rather than acknowledge the fact that Allah changes his mind or lied to you the first time, you're just an idiot, is what he's saying. Very clearly there, they have no knowledge. So, what this means is that the surahs are not put in chronological order. So, you don't know, if you just pick up the Quran and read it, which one came last and therefore which ones are done away with or abrogated. When you hear people on the news or you hear a Muslim tell you or when you hear our government officials saying that Islam is a religion of peace, there are verses that talk about making peace with unbelievers. Understand that during the first 12 years of the writings, Muhammad was still a caravan robber and was building up his following. He had lost some battles, basically been defeated, retreated to Medina like he was going to get killed by the people that he had been slaughtering. And so he sought help and refuge from the people of Medina. They let him into their walled city and protected him and his few followers that had survived. They were three tribes of Jews that controlled that city. And if you go to uh, cybereastern.org, uh, you can read about the treaty. The writings during this time speak of peace and only fighting a defensive war. Most of the Surahs that speak of peace were written during that time when Muhammad needed protectors to defend him against the people who he had attacked, raped, murdered, and stolen from. So what you'll need to understand about those verses that talk about peace is that these peaceful verses were abrogated or replaced by the violent ones calling for holy war. So the very last words of Muhammad are found in the Quran in Surah 9 at the very beginning of the book, not surah 114 at the end so surah 9 was the last surah written approximately 631 a.d before his death these are his last writings and thus the most holy that replace anything else that contradicts them so surah 9 verse 5 says when the sacred months are over slay the idolaters wherever you find them arrest them besiege them lie in ambush everywhere for them If they repent and take to prayer and render the alms levy, allow them to go their way. God is forgiving and merciful. Very clearly, kill the infidel wherever you find them. Lie in ambush. If, however, you feel like doing it, you can just steal their money from them and allow them to go their way because, you know, God is forgiving. Allah is forgiving. So in answeringislam.org, Maranatha Sila says, there is only one conclusion that can be drawn. This verse, 9.5, was meant to be both offensive and defensive and was meant for worldwide application. The theology of jihad is composed in part of this verse, and in particular, this verse applies to polytheists. Corresponding to this verse, also 9.29, issues a similar edict of war upon Jews and Christians specifically, forcing them to bow the knee to Islam in humility, to pay extortion, or die. So by this principle of abrogation, we know that Islam is not a religion of peace. Verse 29 says, Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are of the people of the book, until they pay the jizya with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. So the jizya is the tax or the alms levy. I would challenge you, if you don't, think that Islam is a religion of jihad and holy war. Google the Barbary Wars, Google Thomas Jefferson's Quran and why the Marines have to the shores of Tripoli and the U S Marine Corps hymn. You might learn some things about history. You didn't know. So a true follower of Islam will demand a jizya or attacks from unbelievers or kill them if they do not convert. So that's number one, understanding how to read the Quran abrogation The idea that the last things written supersede anything contradictory to what was before. In the Quran, you can literally have a verse that says one thing and another verse that says the opposite. And the Quran itself tells you how to determine which one you must follow. The one that was written last. The one before is abrogated, worthless. You don't follow it. So that is totally different than what Americans and people in the West are used to when it comes to religion. We pick up a religious book and we see something that we think is contradictory, and it's up to our own interpretation to decide what to do. That's not how the Quran works. You can't read the Quran that way. You have to know the order it was written. And most Westernized people don't know that. That brings us to the second thing, Taqiyah al can be translated into one simple word, dissimulation, which means deceit. However, there are more far-reaching implications to this doctrine from the Quran and the Hadiths, the writings of doctrine and law from Muhammad, which is other than the Quran. Also, his uh, wife, Aisha, wrote a lot of those. Ibn Abbas is quoted as saying, al is the uttering of the tongue while the heart is comfortable with faith. Note, the meaning of that is that the tongue is permitted to utter anything in time of need, as long as the heart is not affected and one is still comfortable with faith. So you can find this stuff in the encyclopedia at alislam.org. Simply put, a true believer may say or do anything, even if it violates the Quran, if it helps to further the cause of Islam, even to the extent of pretending not to be Muslim if their heart stays true to Allah. So I want to give you a modern day example of that. I believe that Barack Obama is a Muslim, and that is why he did things that were traitorous to America. Now, let me just itemize a couple off the top of my head. He exchanged five high-ranking Muslim Taliban officers for Bowie Bergdahl, a known traitor and defector from America who deserted his post. He changed our rules of war so that our soldiers were required to wear a yellow reflective PT belt over the camouflage uniforms while in Afghanistan and Iraq so they could easily spot American soldiers from a distance. You don't wear a camouflage uniform and then a highly reflective, obvious, bright yellow colored belt over the top of it if you're trying to hide. But that was our rules and our soldiers had to do that. Barack Obama also changed our rules of engagement to require us to take fire twice, to be shot at twice before being allowed to return fire and then only if we knew no civilians were present. That led to the vast numbers of injuries and deaths on our side from the enemy actually deliberately shooting at us when there were civilians present or hiding in schools or in a crowd or getting behind a vehicle with a family and shooting at us because we would not shoot back. Barack Obama formally declared the war over in 2009, then required our military to leave all equipment behind, automatic machine guns, tanks, helicopters, everything you can think of. So that Muslims could take it and form an army called ISIS. The strongest, most evil terrorist army that has ever been. Barack Obama gave them everything, funded their war. Barack Obama also secretly gave $1.7 billion in golden cash to Iran his last week in office, along with two centrifuges to make nuclear bombs in the Iran nuclear deal. That is now fact. Google it, it's not a conspiracy theory. The president of the United States, Barack Obama, did that. Now, why did he do everything he could to help the Muslims in this war or our enemy if he wasn't Muslim, if he wasn't part of their group? Right. So here's evidence of his Islamic faith. He stated in the U.N. speech, a new religious religion doctrine by Lauren Marco at The Huffington Post reported September 27th, 2012, quote, The future must not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam, end quote. The president of the United States said that slander the prophet of Islam. That's something you say if you believe in that prophet. If you're merely a leader of a nation who doesn't believe in that prophet, you might say, we're not going to allow people in our country to put down your religion. Another thing he said is to the Islamic Society of Baltimore in 2016. Also reported by the Baltimore Sun, he said, quote, The sweetest sound I know is the Muslim call to prayer. In 2009, on April 6th, from the obamawighthouse.archives.gov, he stated, We will convey our deep appreciation for the Islamic faith, which has done so much over the centuries to shape the world, including in my own country. At his speech at Cairo University in 2009, on June 4th, He stated, so I have known Islam on three continents before coming to the region where it was first revealed. Islam has a proud tradition of tolerance. So that's a huge lie. And then he also stated, I consider it part of my responsibility as president of the United States to fight against negative stereotypes of Islam wherever they appear. He's also on multiple occasions referred with grave reverence to the Quran as the Holy Quran, but never the Bible in the same way. He's also quoted in Arabic scripture verses from the Quran. The point is, that is a modern day example of a Muslim in a high position of power who hid his faith and pretended not to be a Muslim so that he could help the Muslims around the world. The point is, they're allowed to hide their faith or even lie about it up front and do anything they want if it results in either saving their own life or furthering Islam around the world. Here's the verses in the Quran that explain this. Uh, Surah 16, 105 and 106. It says, It is only those who believe not in the ayat of Allah, or the verses or revelations of Allah, who fabricate falsehood, and it is they who are liars. Whoever disbelieves in Allah after his belief, except him who is forced thereto and whose heart is at rest with faith, but such as open their breasts to disbelief, on them is wrath from Allah, and theirs will be a great torment. Basically, it's saying, If you're a liar, you're only a liar if you're an unbeliever. If you're a believer and you feel forced to hide your faith a lie about it, it's okay as long as you still believe in your heart. Then in Surah 3 verse 28, it says, Let not the believers take the disbelievers as Aliyah, which is a supporter or a friend, instead of the believers. And whoever does that will never be helped by Allah in any way, except if you indeed fear a danger from them. So that is, a believer is never allowed to take an unbeliever as a friend unless they fear them. In America, fear of being labeled a terrorist, fear of not fitting in, fear of having the religion of peace found out for what it really is, these are all valid reasons for a Muslim to appear to be friendly to you. So a Muslim who follows the Quran is not allowed to take a disbeliever as a friend, period. If you have a Muslim friend, you are not really their friend. The only Valid reason, according to the Quran, for them to take you as a friend is because they fear you are a danger to them in some way. Surah 3, verse 54, and they, the disbelievers, schemed, and Allah schemed against them, and Allah is the best of schemers. Allah is the best of schemers. Dissimulator, liar, deceiver. A believer must try to be like Allah and like Muhammad, so a true believer must scheme and assimilate to further the cause of Islam. Now, there's more in the Hadiths, which are the other religious writings, and you can go to quotingislam.blogspot.com. There are numerous stories in the Hadiths encouraging his believers to lie in order to bring about the death of their enemies, the Arabs and the Jews. Quote, Despite these stories being part of the Sunnah to which Sunnis adhere, UCLA's Abu al-Fadil the primary expert quoted by the Washington post in an effort to show that Islam does not promote deceit claims that there is no concept that would encourage a Muslim to lie, to pursue a goal. That is a complete invention is what he says. Tell that to Khabib and Ashraf, whose head was cut off for believing the Muslim lies, the Takiyah, the prophet of Islam allowed his followers to lie to the Jew in order to kill him. Takiyah allows and even encourages you to lie to achieve your goals. The prophet makes that very clear. Now, if you go to gatestoneinstitute.org, you can look up Takiyah and dissimulation. Abu Ad-Darda, a pupil and a companion of Muhammad, said, We smile in the face of some people, although our hearts curse them. A deception allowed until the day of resurrection. So you have a mainstream, pious Islamic idea of friendship, with non-believers, that is clearly a lie. The point with takia is if they are friendly to you and you're not a Muslim, it's because they're told to lie to you. They are not allowed to have you as a friend. So that friendship told another way is the idea of when you deal with an infidel, you put a smile on your face and shake their hand in business or in friendship. While in your heart, you harbor resentment until the day that you can kill them. That's the idea of taqiyya. And that is what a true Muslim believes. The basics about Islam. They have one God, Allah. They have one prophet, Muhammad. They believe that the entire world must become Muslim in order for Allah to come back. And then the whole world will be at peace. So if you understand the two concepts of abrogation and takiyah. oh, and they also believe that if you know anything about this, that if you haven't read the Quran in Arabic, that you don't know what you're talking about. So any translation is obviously um, false. So that's part of their taqiyya, that they can lie to you about what it says because you don't really know what it says. And I get that. And that's why I spoke, you know, I've dealt with and learned from and spoken to Muslims who's first language was Arabic and who were brought up in the Quran so that I can fully understand these topics. But you need to understand that abrogation and Takiyah will give you a better understanding of the treatment of unbelievers or infidels. Muhammad and Allah allow Muslims to lie about the so-called religion of peace to lull you into a sense of safety only. They're taught to make deals and treaties with the rest of the world when necessary. They're taught to fit in and deceive people when they're not strong enough to kill their enemy yet. Islam is submission. The word literally means submission, and they are taught to bring the rest of the world into submission by whatever means necessary. Islam teaches that world peace will be achieved when the entire world bows to Allah and there are no more infidels. So Islam's place in the world today, remember that the last writings of Muhammad were to kill, destroy, and hunt down the infidel wherever you find him to bring the whole world under subjection to Allah. Also take note that in 1900 AD, Islam controlled approximately 15 countries in the world. Today, Islam is about 52 countries. They have achieved this primarily through peaceful immigration and high birth rates, multiple women, until they have enough numbers to commit violent overthrow and genocide like they did in Turkey, Afghanistan, North Africa, Iran, Iraq, Egypt, Pakistan, Somalia, Kosovo, and many other countries. Now, if you look at PewResearch.org the fastest growing muslim population by immigration is the netherlands belgium france switzerland austria sweden united kingdom and bulgaria close seconds to that are norway denmark italy slovenia greece and i would argue america now with our open borders they are taking over the world by immigration peace until they have the numbers to slay the infidel Islam is not a religion of peace. Islam is not compatible with any free form of government. Islam is not compatible with women. My goodness, the things you, if you knew what they did to women, women are worse than slaves to a Muslim. Watch the movie, Not Without My Daughter, just to get a, a brief idea. Islam is not compatible with Jews. They must annihilate the Jews. Islam is not compatible with gays. They will openly stone to death or throw gays off buildings. It is not about their God loving the world. It is about their God forcing the world to love him. Islam is submission, not freedom. Muslims that preach peace are not telling you that Muhammad taught peace only to those who deserve it. And in the Quran, those who deserve it are only Muslims. So they can read you the verses in Quran and say that they want, Muhammad wants peace and they won't finish that sentence. Peace for Muslims who follow him. Death to anyone else. So what do Christians do? It's very simple. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are to witness no matter what somebody says they believe. So Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is known as the Great Commission. doesn't matter if they're Muslim or Hindu or whatever. We're supposed to witness about Jesus Christ. Number two, we are to be discerning in our witness. Proverbs 15, 14 says, The heart of him that hath understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on foolishness. In other words, don't believe the lies. Seek truth and knowledge, like what Islam really means, that they are taught to lie and to be friendly until they can kill you. Most westernized Muslims won't kill you themselves, but they will approve of those who do. You also have Matthew 10:12, And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Jesus was speaking about witnessing to Jews, but the principle holds when speaking to any person. If they hold to their religion and reject Jesus, shake the dust off your feet and leave. Do not waste your time. And number three, we should avoid evil, look out for it, and prepare against it. A false religion is always evil, right? But this particular one tells its followers to kill you. So share the gospel with them, but watch your back. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. If you're not paying attention, if you don't look for the evil... You're going to get punished. You're going to be attacked. You're going to be hurt, right? So be prudent. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Stop being deceived. Stop believing the lies that evil people like politicians and the news media deliberately tell you. Read for yourself and learn. I've given you a lot of stuff. Inquiry into Islam.com uh, is good. AnsweringMuslims.com is good. The religion of peace.com is good. There's so many that you can learn from. I've also got some YouTube videos, et cetera, that would tell you the three stages of jihad and things like that. Um, there's a YouTube video about Islam in 60 seconds. Lots of good stuff out there if you want to learn about Islam, but you've got to understand that your primary concern is to tell people about Jesus Christ. Muslims will say they believe in Jesus. They believe he was a real person, maybe even did miracles, okay? But they don't believe that he was God. They don't even believe that he was a prophet because Muhammad is his only prophet. You need to pay attention and be careful and discerning and watch your back. Muslims are dangerous. And I know firsthand from my good friend in the military who told me and what happened to him when he left the the Muslim religion. It's not a joke. Following Jesus Christ sometimes is hard. So pray for discernment and wisdom and always seek truth and knowledge. Thank you for listening. You can contact me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. And until next time, may God bless you all.